Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in Johannesburg, South Africa, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we start to build up to the Africa Cup of Nations, which is just a week away. While most of Africa's top teams will be there, Nigeria are missing, and a veteran journalist tells us what he thinks the problem is. Now, national team will comprise 24 players from 24 clubs all over the world, especially Europe. And we zoom in on the English Premier League as Chelsea drop points and Swansea City continue to struggle. Talking of Swansea City, of course, Bob Bradley's departure may not be good news for Motobaro because it was Bradley who gave him more starts than any of the other managers. And interestingly, he didn't play in the victory at Crystal Palace. That's coming up later, but we start with the Confederation of African Football Awards, which were held in Abuja, Nigeria on Thursday night. And congratulations to Riyad Mahrez of Algeria and Leicester City, winning the top award, the African Player of the Year, with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, the runner-up of Gabon and Borussia Dortmund, and Senegal and Liverpool's Sadio Mane taking third place. We talked about this on the programme a few weeks ago and Riyad Mahrez having won the league title in England with Leicester City in 2016, giving him the edge over consistent goal scorer Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Dennis Onyango of Uganda, the Mamelodi Sundowns goalkeeper, took the award for the best player playing in Africa and his club, Mamelodi Sundowns, took the Club of the Year award. The men's team of the year went to Uganda, qualifying for the Nations Cup for the first time since back in the 1970s. The women's team of the year went to Nigeria, winning the Women's Nations Cup in December. And the women's player of the year was Nigeria's Asisat Oshowala. The most promising young talent was won by Kelechi Iannacho, who we spoke to recently on the programme. And another player that we spoke to recently on the programme, Alex Iwobi of Arsenal and Nigeria, took the Youth Player of the Year award. And congratulations to listeners in the Gambia as your referee, Bakari Papagasama, again took the Referee of the Year award. And a very glittering ceremony it was with some great musical performances there. Riyad Mahrez taking the top award, the African Player of the Year. Right to the 2017 Africa Cup of Nations now. It starts next weekend in Gabon. 16 of Africa's finest teams are there. We'll take a look at the groups in depth next week. But uh, Solomon, what sort of a tournament are you expecting in Gabon? Steve, I'm definitely expecting a very great Africa Cup of Nations 2017 in Gabon. Expecting lots of goals, brilliant entertainment, great fans coming together and really seeing Africa's football at its best again because and this is a tournament that is definitely I feel is going to live up to its expectations. This tournament is definitely going to be very open for for anyone and any team to win it. Uh, that's the way that I see it. We have defending champions, the elephants of uh, Cote d'Ivoire. They still have retained a lot of their players. Uh, we've seen uh, Solomon Kalou is still there. Jovinho is not going to be there. He's injured. We've seen a lot of uh, 
other players from that team of two years ago who won the tournament, they're back there. But for me, it's just very open. I don't see any team that is totally outstanding right now when it comes to their performance, uh, how they play, uh, how strong they are, how strong defensively they are. I feel any team could beat any team. You know, when it comes to the top four or top five of the teams, a lot of teams have deep quality. Uh, we've seen, uh, like the Algerian team, they have, they play very well and they are a team that can score against anyone. They, they, they know how to score goals. We also have a, a very quality team, I feel, in, in Uganda. Uh, Coach Micho has really put together a strong team. Though the first time since the 70s that they're back in the Africa Cup of Nations. But uh, we're definitely looking forward to how they're going to perform. Uh, there's the Egyptian team, very strong local league, very strong players playing across Europe. Uh, that would go a long way in also uh, helping them to see how they could play. But I feel the team with the strongest sort of uh, individual players is Senegal. They have really strong midfield, strong attack, and they are a team to watch out for if they can really function as a team, uh, which is something that I feel they have not been able to do in the last five, six years. So we look forward to seeing how they're going to function as a team, but they're a team to look out for. So we expecting a very great uh, tournament. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, Gabon 2017, just days away. Thanks a lot, Solomon. Next week, we'll talk much more about who might win the Africa Cup of Nations. And we'd love to hear your thoughts and predictions, uh, plus the players that you're looking forward to watching at the Nations Cup. Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Now, while most of Africa's top teams will be at the Nations Cup in Gabon, one notable absence is Nigeria. The Super Eagles won the tournament for a third time in 2013, but failed to qualify for the 2015 edition and didn't make it this time either. Also, Nigeria's under-17 and under-20 teams have been disappointing, while the senior women's team failed to qualify for last year's Olympics, although they did retain their African title last December. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji has spoken to a big figure in the Nigerian media, veteran journalist Fabio Lani Pekun, also known as Uncle Fab. Now, he's covered 12 editions of the Africa Cup of Nations, six FIFA World Cups and five Olympic Games. So he knows Nigerian football over the years better than anyone else. Well, now in his 70s, Uncle Fab is saddened by Nigeria's recent struggles in Africa. And he told Oluwashina what he thinks the problem is. Well, the Nigerian sports will remain Nigerian sports as long as we rely too much on our foreign-based players. In the past, the Nigerian national team was essentially homemade. There were three or four clubs that supplied players to the national team. So when these players got invited, they understood each other. They spoke the same football language. And that's why we were able to do well in those days. Players, essentially from Rangers, from shooting stars, they formed the bulk of the national team. Unlike now, the national team will comprise 24 players from 24 clubs all over the world, especially Europe. They have no time to play together until they are invited to Nigeria for three or four day camping. 
But the players are in Nigeria. They play regular football. They play the league. They see each other every week. They meet each other every week. They understand football better. That's the kind of team that I will appreciate. But critics would argue that the standard of play in the Nigerian domestic league has made it difficult for coaches to pick players from the domestic scene. Considering the fact that Nigeria's top players are exposed to modern football and are more technically and tactically gifted than their counterparts at home. What is football? It's the ability to control the ball, to trap the ball, to pass the ball and to release the ball. It's all a footballer has to do. Once he has got this technical you know, capability, he is now a team player by the extent that the coach will harness all this knowledge of shooting, kicking, passing, you know, into a team situation. This is how you pass the ball. This is how you head the ball. Do you know that many Nigerian footballers don't know how to head? They are scared of heading the ball. I can tell you how many Nigerian players of international standard that has the ability to head the ball properly. Have you ever seen uh, Jake Yokota head the ball? These are the little, little flaws about Nigerian football. Look at um, Mikel Obi. Have you seen Mikel Obi take a shot with the instep? He hardly does. These are little, little flaws about the Nigerian footballers which cannot be corrected, you know, when they get to the national team. But which they have to learn when they were still playing youth football. Well, that's veteran Nigerian journalist Fabio Lani Pekun, also known as Uncle Fab, talking to Oluwashina Okaleji. Some surprising comments there, maybe, but remember he's covered 12 Nations Cups, six World Cups and five Olympic Games. Uh, so surely he does know what he's talking about. Um, so Solomon, he says that Nigeria rely too much on foreign-based players. And I would agree that it's harder to gel together as a team when you have players coming from clubs all across Europe. Uh, But the vast majority of the players at the Africa Cup of Nations will be foreign-based, with the exception maybe of the Egypt and Tunisia teams. So is that a valid reason for Nigeria's failure to qualify? I feel Nigeria definitely relies so much on our foreign best player. I totally agree with Uncle Fab there. And being together, uh, I definitely agree that playing together and playing in the local league together would definitely enhance and help out in trying to make a team stronger, you know, and also for the coach and the technical team uh, to work on the strategies and to work on their tactics and to work on the technical issues uh, individually or together as a team, you know. And it's harder to gel together as a team when you have players coming from uh, clubs all across Europe, some of them, you know, arriving uh, three days before a game and you don't have the time for, for them to play together together as a team uh, but you know when it comes to the african league which african league is really so strong that we can compare it to to the european league not a lot of uh, the leagues that we have here and most african players go up to europe because they want to compete with the best you get the best technical uh, assistance there you get the best uh, uh, tactical awareness you get the best training you get the best uh, 
uh, foundation. You get the best coaching. So definitely, uh, that's where they they have to go and 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 play. But I don't feel that Nigeria's uh, players are playing overseas uh, has been some sort of a, a reason why Nigeria has been failing enough. Because we you you have to remember too, Nigeria has experienced a lot of success in the Africa Cup of Nations and also uh, the World Cup and the Olympic Games uh, with a lot of foreign-based players. And, uh, of course, it's not just Nigeria that has to deal with this. Most of Africa's top teams have their best players playing in various European countries these days. Yes, Steve. Most most African football team has to deal with this situation where most of the players play in Europe. It's not just Nigeria that has this a peculiar a problem, some people call it, which I don't think is really a problem. It's just a way of trying to deal with it. That is team like Senegal, where whenever they play, you see the whole first 11 and also the bench is totally uh, European-based players. Uh, you see a team like Cote d'Ivoire, the same thing, you know. And I feel part of the problem is not being able to get these players ready and in training camps before a major tournament or before, uh, you know, a major game game you know this problem started in the late 90s when most football players began to go to europe uh, to 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 start their football we we see uh, a case of a lot of african play football national teams depending on players who were not born in Africa, but were born by African parents in Europe. So we have to depend on that also. We've seen so many teams using so many players who never really played their football in Africa. So should we neglect them? Should we refuse to use them because they're based in Europe? No. If the local players are good enough to contest for a position and dislodge a foreign-based player, fine. If the foreign-based player is better, fine. Or if the football association could get the local league stronger, make sure local football players get the, the, a lot of opportunities to grow and compete better, then that's also fine. Yes, I think that that's just the way it is these days. Uh, football has changed so much in the past 30 years or so. Um, European clubs have attracted more and more foreign players, including many from Africa. And uh, there are times that Arsenal, for example, have had an entirely foreign-based team on occasions. Uh, also, Uncle Fab was talking there about the technical side of football. Uh, things have changed a lot there, too, in the past uh, 30 years. Uh, we have academies that are drilling players on technical skills from a very early age, particularly in Europe. So those Africans who go to Europe will be exposed to a high level technically. Well, thanks for that, Solomon. And now we turn to Facebook and to WhatsApp. And on last week's show, we talked about our high points and low points in football in 2016 and asked for your personal highs and lows from last year. On Facebook first, and Suleiman Sonko in The Gambia says, My low point in 2016 was when the Gambia under-20s failed to qualify for the later stages of the competition after beating Sierra Leone and Morocco and lost to Guinea by goal difference. My high is when Gunjur won the Zonal Local Cup here in The Gambia. Uh, that must have been great. Uh, and Musa Kamara, also in the Gambia, says my low was when my team Mal FC went out of the Nawata tournament in the group stage. And my high is when Gunjur won the Zonal Cup here in the Gambia. So Musa, also a fan of Gunjur. On the international stage, says Musa, my low was when Manchester United lost to Chelsea 4-0. And my high is when Man United won the FA Cup. 
And, well, United certainly needed that silverware after missing out on a place in the Champions League last season. And that victory over Crystal Palace was the first time the Old Trafford side had won the FA Cup for 12 years. Well, Gamo is a Cameroonian living in the United States. He says, My high of the year was seeing my beloved country, Cameroon, hosting the African Women's Cup of Nations and almost winning it with an outstanding performance throughout the tournament. My low will have to be the plane crash in Colombia, carrying the Brazilian football club Chapecoense. I'm looking forward to another good football year, especially the Africa Cup of Nations, says Gamo, and a happy new year to the Planet Sport Football Africa team. Well, thanks, Gamo. Yes, very sad uh, about to Chapo Coense. And as far as the Nations Cup goes, I'll be there in Gabon and really looking forward to that. Also, thanks very much to many other friends and listeners to the show who sent us their New Year greetings. Great to hear from each of you. And many thanks for your kind good wishes because it means a great deal to all of us here on the team. Alpha Jallo in the Gambia says, I appreciate all your efforts you guys are making, especially teaching us about our African players in the diaspora. Well, thanks, Alpha. Glad you're enjoying the show. It's a real pleasure. And once again, thanks so much for the whole of 2016, says Alpha. It's been one of my best years so far, winning my first regional tournament in my hometown and also playing my first Division One league game. And also my team Real Madrid and Ronaldo winning so many accolades, says Alpha. Well, some great personal footballing highs there for you, Alpha. Congrats on your First Division debut there in the Gambia. And all the best for the future as you develop your football career. Also in the Gambia, Eb Silla got in touch with us for the first time. Great to have you with us, Eb. And he says, I enjoy listening to Planet Sport Football Africa. You're doing a great job for us listeners. Well, thanks for that to Eb. And he continues, I'm a big fan of Chelsea. Oscar should not go to China at the age of 25. I know there's a lot of money, but he is very young. Yes, the Brazilian midfielder has now left Chelsea. He arrived in China last Monday to join the Chinese Super League side Shanghai SIPG in a deal worth $70 million. And he'll be paid more than $500,000 a week. And more and more players, it seems, are being drawn by the huge salaries on offer these days in China. It's good to hear from Balong Baji in the Gambia again. And Balong says, My high point of the past year was Gambian referee Bakari Papagasama being once again nominated among the African CAF referees of the year. My low point was Liverpool leading Bournemouth 3-1, but ending up losing 4-3. It was disappointing seeing the team lose points. Well, yes, but uh, that was a great comeback by Bournemouth to win that game uh, back at the beginning of December. And Balong continues saying, I wish the whole team of Planet Sport Football Africa, the listeners and contributors, a prosperous new year. Thanks for that, Balong, and we wish you the same. Um, Winger Mayambolwe in Zambia says, It's been great listening to Planet Sport Football Africa in 2016, and I'm hoping for the same this year. We're glad you're enjoying the show, Mwinga. Thanks for your support. And he continues, I can't wait for the Africa Cup of Nations, even though Zambia are not there. Yes, the Cup of Nations now only a week away. Here on the show, we're all very excited and looking forward to a great feast of African football. So this week on WhatsApp and on Facebook, tell us who do you think will win the Africa Cup of Nations and what sort of a tournament are you expecting? 
Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. Who are you tipping to win the Africa Cup of Nations? Well, now let's focus on the English Premier League, where a lot of managers have been fired at the bottom, and at the top of the table, leaders Chelsea saw their 13-game winning run ended by Tottenham on Wednesday, but still hold a big lead over Liverpool. Our European football expert Stuart Weir is in the UK.、Uh, Stuart, has that result blown the race wide open now? Of course, Chelsea, despite this defeat, are still five points clear of Liverpool. And actually, if you go down to sixth place, Manchester United, they're only ten points behind. So while Chelsea remain the favourites, it's really quite open. I just need to mention very quickly an amazing game where Arsenal came from three nil down to draw three all with Bournemouth. Amazing what's happening in the Premier League this year. But what is going on at the bottom of the table? You know, we've got the four bottom teams: Crystal Palace, Sunderland, Swansea, and Hull City, and all but Sunderland have sacked their manager. I mean, the most ludicrous of all is Swansea City, who sacked Bob Bradley after 85 days in the job. That means that they have had now three. Different managers in the first half of this season, having just appointed Paul Clement. Now, Paul Clement's an outstanding coach who's worked with Carlo Ancelotti at Chelsea, Paris Saint-Germain, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich. But is he the right man for a relegation dogfight? You know, Crystal Palace sacked Alan Pardew, even though he took Palace to the FA Cup final last year. They've brought in Sam Allardyce, who, of course, has a lot of experience of relegation dogfights, keeping Sunderland up. But you know, Allardyce so far has started with a draw and two defeats, so a lot to do there. Ironically, they lost to Swansea City,、uh, who at that stage were managerless. And talking of Swansea City, of course, Bob Bradley's departure may not be good news for Motobaro because it was Bradley who gave him more starts than any of the other managers. And interestingly, he didn't play in the victory at Crystal Palace. Hull City have sacked Mike Phelan. Uh, who was only there for 12 weeks? Who had previously been assistant to Alex Ferguson at Manchester United, and the speculation is that they're going to bring in a Portuguese manager, Marco Silva, with absolutely no experience of the Premiership. So, I find this very bizarre. It's panic, and I suppose it's because there's so much money at stake in the Premiership that you've got to. Preserve your status, but whether changing the manager constantly, whether bringing in people with no experience. I mean, when you have Pep Guardiola this week saying, "I need more time to adjust," you know, what are you expecting from somebody coming in for the first time to manage in the Premiership of a team whose players are clearly inadequate? Otherwise, they wouldn't be in the bottom three.、Uh, I don't really quite know. Yes, absolutely. Will firing the manager help your cause when they won't have time to adjust?、Uh, that's a big question. Now, a lot of players switched clubs in the off-season, and some new data released this week suggests which of those transferred players are doing rather well this season. Well, yes. This week, an analysis using the Opta data, based on the minutes played, goals scored, chances created, passes made, interceptions, yellow cards, missed chances, to work out which players have done well and which have not. It's, it's all based on a sort of 
point score. And actually, the best transfer in the summer transfer window was Sadio Mane, who signed for Liverpool from Southampton for about $42 million. He's already scored nine goals in 19 games for Liverpool. So he comes top. Second was Marcus Alonso of Chelsea. Very interesting, the third and fourth were Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Paul Pogba at Manchester United. Um, there's just a slight difference in what those two players cost the club since Ibrahimovic came free and Pogba cost $110 million. Now, some of the other Africans to feature. Victor Wanyama rated the 18th best transfer. He cost $13 million when he moved from Southampton to Tottenham. Um, and has started in most of the games. And I have to hold up my hand and say at the beginning of the season, I did ask the question as to whether he would force his way into the Tottenham team. So, well done, Victor. Another good performance is Edissa Gwe of Senegal, who moved to Everton from Arsenal. He, again, has been a regular starter. And similarly, Alan Neon, who moved from Watford to West Brom. Yannick Balassi has made a good start at Everton, having moved from Crystal Palace for $31 million. But tragically, he's picked up a, a bad injury and may be out for the next 12 months. Victor Antibi at Sunderland also proved to be a good buy, although he was a free transfer, scoring three goals in eight starts. Now, moving down to the players who perhaps have still to prove whether they were a good buy or not, you've got Islam Slamani, the Algerian at Leicester City, Eric Bailly, the Ivorian at Manchester United, and Wilfred Bonney, who is on loan at Stoke City from Manchester City. Now, I'm surprised that Slamani with five goals, and Eric Bailly, who's been really very solid at Manchester United, have only made it into sort of about the 40th place. Wilfred Bonney, fair enough. You know, he's only got nine starts for Stoke. And now, finally, the two who have really not made much of an impact would be the Nigerian Ahmed Musa at Leicester City, who's only got five starts. And Andre Ayew, who was so good for Swansea last year, the, the Ghanaian, uh, whom West Ham bought. And, you know, they paid $25 million for him. And he's only got six starts for West Ham and only one goal. So I think he's got a bit to prove. And, of course, now he's uh, off to the Africa Cup of Nations. But some really interesting data showing that Sadio Mane is the buy of the season and that a few of the other African players have still to prove themselves at their new clubs. Well, interesting that Senegal's Sadio Mane tops that table, Stuart, because at the start of the season we wondered if his poor disciplinary record at Southampton might affect him at Liverpool. But thankfully he seems to have ironed out that aspect of his game. I wonder if that's down also to Klopp's management style. Uh, also, to be fair, at least one of Manny's red cards at Southampton was a very bizarre one, where it was just for a high foot when he couldn't actually see the player he made contact with. But yeah, I mean, he's been really doing great stuff. And I just think that he's somebody, again, you might have wondered with Divrock, Origi and Daniel Sturridge, would he actually get a starting place? But he's made himself probably the number one striker playing well and just seems to suit the style that Klopp is using. Yes, a great season so far for Mane. And a few other points of interest in the English Premier League, Stuart. Well, I've just noticed, Steve, that Leicester, 
who are 14th in the Premier League and have obviously no chance at all of winning it because, I mean, their bookmakers' odds are a 1,000 to 1 against them winning the league. Oh, sorry. Uh, what was it last year? Leicester were 5,000 to 1 and won the league. Hmm, yes. Okay, perhaps not. Um, Steve, this season, four of the top clubs have recorded six consecutive wins in the first half of the season. And this hasn't happened ever before, with Manchester United, Chelsea, Man City and Arsenal each putting together a sequence of six wins. Now, Christian Banteki has had the misfortune of missing two first-half penalties this season for Crystal Palace against West Ham and Watford. Made me wonder who the last player to do that was. Oh yes, it was Christian Benteke, who also missed two first-half penalties for Aston Villa a couple of years ago. wonder why he keeps taking penalties. I don't know how much you know about Estonian football, Steve, but when Ragnar Klavan from Estonia played for Liverpool in front of 50,000 people this season, that was actually more than the combined attendance at all the games in the Estonian league last season which amounted to 44,600 total attendance at all the games. Um, Steve, just wanted to mention a couple of bits of activity in the transfer window, with Middlesbrough signing Aston Villa's Rudy Gestetti, the Benning player uh, from Aston Villa. Uh, He's been in the UK for six seasons and has scored 49 league goals. Could be a good acquisition for Middlesbrough. And Leicester have added the Nigerian Wilfred Ndidi to their squad. He's a 20-year-old and has been at Genk in Belgium for three years. Well, fascinating stuff. Thanks very much, Stuart. No English Premier League this weekend. It's the third round of the FA Cup, so we'll see if there's going to be any shocks. Well, that's it for the show for this week. Lots and lots on the Africa Cup of Nations on next week's programme. So do send us your predictions on Facebook and on WhatsApp. Send us your thoughts on WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero, Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks so much for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.